by definition, we must move to renewable energy. The question is just how hard we should try, what pace we should go at it. And I, I think, logically, we should go as fast as we can um, because uh, since we know we have to get there eventually, um, it's better to, to get to a renewable future, a sustainable future sooner rather than later, get there before we do the environmental damage, not after. Um, and a lot of people would say, well, well, solar, can that really provide the energy that we need? But a lot of people don't appreciate that solar energy is already uh, the source of the vast majority of Earth's energy. W without solar power, we would be uh, a frozen ice ball. So really all we're talking about for solar electricity is taking the tiny, tiny bit of energy that humanity needs for electricity which, which, which is, I emphasize is super tiny compared to the amount of solar energy that hits the Earth. You could generate all the electricity that the United States needs with about a 100 mile by 100 mile grid of, of solar power. So you could just take like a corner of Arizona <laughs> and that would be all the energy that the United States needs. That was Elon Musk back in 2011 talking about the potential of renewable energy to power our societies. Well, 10 years since, that renewable energy is no longer just the future, but the present. According to the International Energy Agency's World Energy Outlook for 2020, photovoltaic solar energy is already the cheapest source of electricity in history. Think about that for a second. We're not really talking about like a distant future. It's happening right now with current installations. What gets lost in the headlines is that in the first half of 2020, renewable energy, largely solar and wind, have been able to cover almost 50% of British energy consumption. So today, we're going to talk about how solar and wind have dethroned coal as the new kings of energy and the promising global policy outlook that could make our lives less carbon intensive. An engineer, banker, and dancer go on a hike. They realize how things have changed and start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jed, the banker. I'm Shikhar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC. We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas. Welcome to Things Have Changed. to bring back coal. Coal? I'm not even exaggerating. I have never in my life even seen a fucking lump of coal. I honestly don't even know what coal is for. If you're gonna have motherfuckers digging around in the dirt looking for shit, find me some truffles, nigga. That's what I'm about. Coal. The president's trying to bring back coal, bro. Did you hear that? The president went on national television and said, we need to bring coal back. <laughs> coal story, bro. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of change that's happening in the energy industry in general. And what is super exciting for the folks who are in the renewable energy spaces, wind and solar are steadily replacing coal. It's still not there yet, obviously. There was this insane stat that just came out, like 
The U.S. renewable energy consumption, so largely driven by wind and solar, for the first time surpassed coal with regards to energy production. How insane is that? I mean, that should be like headlines everywhere. So a lot of positive signs for the renewable energy sector. And so why is this happening? Uh, so you have two factors here, right? The coal being not as popular as it once was, and renewables actually coming to the forefront, being able to match power outputs. Yeah, I think, you know, the green revolution has been coming. We've seen this like in our generation. We went to a school where they're encouraging sustainability. They're encouraging all these new efforts, like private money has been coming into the renewable energy space. And we're seeing a lot of companies and entrepreneurs just spring out out of nowhere. So it's no surprise. Now we're seeing the stat come up that, you know, we're slowly adopting these renewable energies and, you know, states and countries are committing to uh, 100% renewable by a certain date, like 2040 to 2050, right? It's a ridiculous time for us. But yeah, we're starting to see, I guess, that materialize in 2020. But as you said, a lot of distractions with COVID-19 and all this shit happening. 2020 is enough already. It's good that we have some positive news coming out of the renewable energy sector. Um, you know, demand for coal is, has dropped 20% in 2020. You know, we're, we're going to see uh, renewable energy rise of 11% of at least production. Yeah, just from a governmental action point of view, there's a lot of positive signs there as well, because um, what solar and wind have done is the costs have dropped significantly over the last 10 years. But government policies have also abetted in getting them to the stage right? Like literally in the last 10 years, solar PV costs have dropped like 90%. Imagine that. That's like something, Jeez. it's staggering to think, you know, when I was growing up, it like solar was never considered, oh, this can actually replace oil or coal in the next like 30 years. You know, there's no way. And we're actually seeing huge advancements yeah, I mean, let's let's think about the stakeholders, right? So there's a third of the U.S. population um, that consumes energy are the households. And then two-thirds of who consumes energy in the United States are businesses. Mm-hmm. So there had to have been a lot of commitment from the businesses to be able to scale down the price. That's just what I'm thinking. There were projects probably to create like huge battery centers or storage centers to um, make solar power more efficient. Um, huge wind turbine technology increases probably within the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, the commitments to getting there to, you know, everybody's doing the commitments thing, right? Where somebody's like at a certain date, we have to commit to renewable energy. Yep. Because they're pushing for that, there's a lot of even government money coming into this, you know, subsidies and shit like that going into this industry so that it makes it easier for the entrepreneurs to strive and stay alive. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. That that's that's something interesting to see as well, that that companies have to lead this forward more often, but there is a unified effort from the government and private industry to get this through the door. The first wave was ensuring that it was possible, right, using these technologies. So R&D and innovation got us only so far. But then the, the folks that were actually manufacturing these panels, manufacturing these wind turbines realized, okay, we can actually improve on what we're doing. The know-how, they knew how to scale 
And they were able to do that. And now that has resulted in such lower costs. Uh, The one thing that kind of comes to my mind is like Moore's Law, which is the reason why your smartphone today or your Apple Watch today is more powerful than the computer that was on our very early space missions. Imagine that, like that's all down to Moore's Law where the amount of computing power you have doubles every two years. And that happened for like decades. Now, solar and wind technologies haven't improved that drastically, but it's still quite staggering to think that the costs have dropped by like 90% for solar and like wind has dropped significantly, like 70% as well. Just in 10 years. Big governments, UK and Germany, have, have been the trailblazers with regards to incorporating the renewables in their energy mix. Um, Germany started with that R&D and innovation, and then the um, government really gave them a lot of help. And now, you know, it's it's gotten to a point where 30 to 40% of their energy, like we're talking about big developed countries, 30% of their energy is now obtained from renewables. You could not even imagine that possibility like 15 or 20 years ago. China. 10% of their energy uh, production is now renewable, right? US, 12%. India, 10%. Brazil, 10% as well. Turkey, 13%. Bro, Turkey. Dude, leave all that. Texas has 18% energy from wind. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? It's like staggering to think like there's so much change that's taking place. But this yeah. is like when we were reading about it, we were like, what? Texas, 18%? Yeah. The oil companies that were kind of leading like the effort to discredit all this in states like Texas, you would never think that would be the case. You know, oil, oil producers over there are king. Even Saudi Arabia has made some efforts towards renewable energy, bro. Right. MBS has promised renewable energy. I mean, it should be them. I mean, there's only sun there, right? Like it's it'll be like such a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, the incentive is is great to have the renewable energy, right? We've seen that there is, you know, long-term effects. Long-term demand is predicted all across the board to be heavy for renewable energy, right? It's the the long-term gain from this is just so obvious now. You know, I was skeptical growing up. You're like, okay, I'm always going to drive my diesel petrol car. And now I'm kind of like warming up to the idea of using like solar and stuff. You see what I did there? Warming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, I mean, you mentioned it briefly. Like, even Saudi Arabia is interested. By 2030, so just 10 years from now, any new wind and solar project, so starting from zero and creating a wind or solar project, will be cheaper than running like 96% of existing coal power. Imagine that. It's cheaper for you to build a wind and solar energy power plant than running the coal uh, power plant just because it's been such a loss driver. The same report said like more than 40% of global coal power plants right now are running at a loss. So it's just like, I think they're just running on subsidies. The The only reason they yeah, are they're running is by government subsidies. And now if you can divert some of that money to renewables, you can see that shift, that shift will take place. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
that's kind of what the move towards renewable energy warrants, right? I don't know if you, it, within your research you found the duck problem. I didn't really list it out here, but um, the duck problem in which like right now we have a mix of energy, which consists of coal. And then we also have people who have installed, you know, solar power to their residential homes. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a significant part of the U.S. economy right now that has solar powered roofs and whatever. Right. And the duck problem is basically if there is demand in different parts of the day, because solar energy isn't so greatly stored yet, we don't have a lot of storage systems for for um, solar energy. It becomes difficult for the coal pieces to produce the energy and provide that that demand for the energy at a separate time. Right. When there's no sunlight outside. Yeah. It's harder for them to turn on the fucking factories and try to, you know, because they control them. You can control coal's production. Yeah. But for sunlight, it's not so simple, right? You harvest the energy. It's available for a certain amount of time. Like you're able to store some of that energy into the battery, but it's not so simple. So the combination warrants the deprecation of coal energy anyway in your consumption, yeah. right? So there's also, I mean, now that we're we're getting to this area where we're starting to see some problems that are arising in this industry, maybe what are what are the big roadblocks to um, getting into renewable energies completely? That might be one of them, right? Right now, there isn't enough produced um, solar wind uh, energy to cover the entire United States, yeah, yeah, right? Businesses and residential. Let's just think about that. There's not enough yet. Yeah, but because it's warranting the death of coal, we need to move to that target a lot quicker, right? That's just that's just what needs to happen. So, you know, how much energy is going into the building of you know the the question comes up: how much energy is going into building of wind turbines and is going into building of like solar um, panels and whatnot? You know, where are they sourcing these rare materials and whatnot? You know, that's something against the case of of solar and and wind power yeah i mean there are a lot of positive signs but i mean yeah the battery issue is is big because i mean you need a way to store it right there is a lot of discussion with regards to where we source battery components and battery uh, raw materials a lot of that consumption comes from china so with all this trade war stuff there's a lot of global supply chains that are involved and you don't know how it how that goes. It's but, funny because yeah. our largest importer in the United States for solar panels or the cells needed for solar panels still comes from China. So it's like funny how we have all these trade wars going on. Like if we're going to meet our targets as government institutions, like on a state level and on a federal level, we need China's help at this point because we don't manufacture enough in the United States. So I, it, this all depends on foreign relations and, you know, what happens during the elections this year. But so it's going to be still largely a government led push because of the subsidies that are going yep. in there and the incentives that they're putting in. Um, but private industry will need to make all that innovation. So can we do it fast enough? Because uh, we need to stop heating of like 1.5 degrees celsius or so that's the mark that's the limit we need to really get there quick can we just jump on it right away absolutely not because like what happens is there's like a a large portion of the developing world still uses a lot of coal and dirty energy uh there's actually this metric that shows that once you move from a developing country to a developed 
that's when you start using less dirty energy. So like the uh, European Union and the US and Canada, they've been able to switch over to solar and wind once they have got their um, you know, GDP up to a certain level so that they can afford to do that. So it's going to be hard to get a global consensus and hit those marks. Look, like we're seeing it in the underdeveloped countries, right? In the BRICS at least, right? We're seeing Brazil and India leading the charge for this. But another thing, another interesting stat that I found was, you know, I looked at the percentage of growth of um, renewable technology usage in within the country as a percentage of total energy consumption. Past three years, it's been India, bro. It's been India that's been growing um, really quickly with uh, renewable energy as a percentage of total energy consumption? So even with the most positive estimates, we're still not going to be able to meet what we need to hit in order to reduce the temperature of the planet. So uh, there's a lot of discussion about how nuclear um, will help us get there. And uh, looks like without nuclear power, you know, the world's climate challenge is going to be a lot, lot more harder. It is a steady flow of power. They produce almost like, I think, 10% of the world's electricity, and we don't really hear about it, right? So there is definitely a need to to build more nuclear. And obviously, there's an issue over there as well with regards to nuclear waste and stuff. Waste. But yeah. yeah. But um, if you think about it, nuclear energy has still remained in the 1900s. Uh, 1960s, 1970s, all the nuclear plants have still been running for so long. So there haven't been, because of just the negative vibes to the industry in general, nuclear, uranium, all that stuff. Um, HBO documentaries like Chernobyl doesn't help. Uh, it was a great documentary, but... So they're afraid of people like using this for making bombs and shit, right? Uranium and the same components as going into nuclear war and all this stuff. Okay. I guess that's pretty valid. For running factories and stuff, you need a lot of energy. And like that's where nuclear can come in handy because they just produce a lot of energy and steady flow. It's always going to be there. So, so nuclear is something that we should probably dive into as part of our energy series because um, it's just fascinating how there are so many things out there that are very achievable with regards to moving away from fossil fuels, but again, needs a lot of government support. We're talking about solar and wind because it's probably the most promising options right now yep, for yep. renewable energy. At this point in the renewable energy space, I think the future is looking bright. Here comes the sun. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Here comes the sun. Nice. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's alright.